0: Hi, I'm Howard Tierski. Welcome to the Winning Digital Customers Podcast, where we focus on the stories of large-scale digital transformations told by the people who lead them. Hey, everybody. Welcome once again to the Winning Digital Customers Podcast. I am here with an awesome guest today, Jay Baer, who you probably know because he is the New York Times bestselling author of actually six different books. And we're going to talk about some of the marketing and customer experience intersection areas that he is expert at. He works with many large companies, helping them in areas of marketing and customer experience. He's also one of the only 200 or so living members of the Professional Speakers Hall of Fame and speaks all around the world on these topics as well. So we're really lucky to have him here today. Please join me in in welcoming him. And Jay, thank you so much for being here. Anything you want to add by way of background that folks should know about you?
1: Howard, thanks so much. Fantastic to be here. I am also a certified tequila sommelier. I'm not certain that's ground that we will cover in this episode, but please feel free to address your tequila questions to me at any time.
0: Should we be drinking tequila during, the, during this podcast? Maybe that would create an even more festive environment.
1: I I often do drink tequila during podcasts, uh, and I'm actually working on, uh, this is true, Uh, I've got an offering now for corporate clients, typically evening events, for obvious reasons, where I will do a webinar or some sort of virtual event that's sort of 30 minutes of marketing and CX content, and then 30 minutes of tequila education and tasting, which is a lot of fun for everybody. And you think
0: that's the right order? Or would it be better to have the 30 minutes of tequila tasting and then?
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it, I, I try to mix it in. So I, I'm still working on the format, but what I try and do is like a little marketing and then a tequila and then a little CX and a little tequila. So I, I try and go
0: back and forth, but I'm not certain that's the best format. I'm working on it. Got it. Got it. Fantastic. <laughs> that's great. I haven't heard that one before. Tequila Samuel. All right. Let's dive in on this intersection that I know is your real sweet spot between marketing, whatever the heck that means anymore, (laughs) Yeah, right. and customer experience, which I feel like I know more clearly what that means. But that's also a term that if you ask 10 different people, you might get 10 different answers about what that means. Tell me a little bit about what you see at the corner of marketing and customer experience and and what you think companies need to be thinking about in that regard today.
1: Well, I, I get asked this question a lot, and maybe you do as well, Howard. Who should be in charge of customer experience inside the enterprise? There are Organizations that have a chief customer experience officer who reports to a CEO or a president or a COO, and, and they have enough uh, freestanding operational clout to sort of run it as a separate division, but that's mathematically rare. I think in general, this is settled doctrine. New research from Salesforce came out uh, a few months ago, and they surveyed you know, thousands of, of uh, companies across the globe and found that in more than 80 percent of those enterprises, the marketing department is also in charge of customer experience. That hasn't always been the case. And I don't know whether that's good news or bad news. It doesn't really matter. It just is a fact. However, as somebody who has been a professional marketer for 30 years, I can tell you, and this won't be a shock to anybody tuning in, most marketers haven't really been trained in the full customer funnel, right? They, they have been trained to acquire new customers profitably. That's kind of what marketing is. And this idea that, wow, all right, so we also need to cross-sell, upsell. We also really need to pay attention to retention. We need to pay attention to uh, customer experience-driven word of mouth and, and all the other elements of, of CX, audience insights generation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It, it's just a much bigger sandwich than most marketers have historically digested. And that's going to create some problems in some companies. Yeah, I totally agree
0: with that statement. And I'm in, all, thinking about all the problems myself, but I, I want to ask you what are some of the biggest problems that you've seen as a result of that disconnect?
1: Well, I think part of it is continuing an age old problem, which is if I asked every single person listening, is it more profitable to get a new customer or to sell more to an existing customer? of your audience, Howard, will say, correctly, that it is more profitable to sell again to an existing customer. You learn that, like, literally in the first day, right? That is, is like, first you learn where the bathroom is, and then you learn that maxim, right? Like, that is the beginning of business. Yet, this is an unofficial statistic, approximately 0% of companies are actually oriented as if that were true. Right, if you think about how much time, money, effort people spend on acquisition versus how much time, money, effort people spend on retention, you would think that that truth is not actually true. And when marketing, which is all about the acquisition side, is now in charge of CX, I have a hard time believing that professional marketers are going to make the investments necessary, which are typically long-term and somewhat amorphous, the, the investments necessary to truly have an impact on customer experience. I hope, I hope I'm wrong, but I'm probably not.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and I'm curious, one thing, when I because I agree with your statements, and one of the first things I always look for when I see a problem that's pervasive is, who's bucking the trend? Is anybody doing it right? Because, of course, there is a place to look for clues, not only about what they're doing, but how did they sort of succeed in transforming from, like everybody else, to uh, you know, the, the company that is found a different path. So is there anyone that comes to mind that you'd say, actually, is bucking that trend?
1: Sure, there's there's lots of uh, points of of light in the wilderness as always. One of the organizations that I think is really interesting in this marketing CX convergence is Chewy. Uh, you may know that brand Chewy.com online pet supplies. They they are so incredibly good at empathy and treating customers with humanity and respect. And do they do that because it feels good? Well, I'm sure it does feel good but it has manifest economic consequences for the brand their growth is straight up they have outflanked all other uh, pet supply organizations uh, in online sales customer growth customer retention and every other success metric you can point to and it's not only because of of their empathy and their sort of emphasis on customer experience but it's certainly a good part of the recipe so it it can work but again it requires a level of patience and believing that if you deliver a better customer experience, it will pay off. And here's the magic word, Howard, eventually mm-hmm. in order to do it. The problem is most marketers aren't even in their role long enough to to do something like this, right? I mean, I don't know what the average CMO tenure is now, but it's something like 15 minutes, right? It's, it's not very long. So
0: <laughs> Yeah, no, I think that's right. And and I do think this varies somewhat by industry. I mean, when you look at someone like Chewy, they're very much in the supply replenishment business. So, you know, if they give you a good experience when they, you know, sell you the the hay for your guinea pig cage in September, then hopefully you're going to order in October, November, December, you know, versus obviously there are other industries. If someone sells you a car, you know, you're probably the opportunity for you to become a repeat customer is at least a few years away, typically not a few months or a few days away. And then from what I observe, the ones who seem the most oriented towards focusing on these areas around retention are those that are in some kind of a subscription business, someone like a Netflix or a Salesforce.com platform software companies that have customer success divisions, because of course, they know that if they do a reasonably good job, you're going to keep paying them every month. And if not, you're going to cancel your subscription and all of a sudden the, the revenue stream dries up. So those are, to me, the ones that are the most focused on it. But I think you're right that it, it's something that's worth every company really giving more focus to than they probably are.
1: And it is a testable proposition, right? I mean, I talked about this in, in my most recent book, Talk Triggers, this idea that you can take every nth customer and treat them differently and then flag them and then track their LTV over a period of time and determine whether that disproportionately good treatment has a material impact on revenue and profitability. Most people don't go to the trouble, but it's not as if you can't know. You can know. Uh, it's obviously easier to, to have a control group and a test group in some types of businesses than others, as you mentioned, Howard, but it, but it is knowable. Uh, just most people don't go to the trouble.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And even if you have a longer term sales cycle, like let's say with vehicles, you can still test propensity. You can still ask someone nine months in based on your experience with a Ford so far, how likely are you to consider a Ford for your next vehicle, blah, blah, blah. And absolutely. That's not as valuable as the real data, but if it takes years to get the real data, you know, it's, it's directional. Yeah, yeah.
1: I was just going to say that the other thing that, that's really got me thinking a lot lately is, is this marketing and CX convergence it really is important because 75% of consumers, I think it was the most recent number from McKinsey, have made a purchase from a business for the very first time since the pandemic, never bought from that organization before. And, and what we're seeing is sort of an erosion of historical loyalty to brands. And customers saying, you know what, I've always bought from X, bought my guinea pig hay from these guys, but now we're going to switch because these other folks are just easier to work, with, right? It, it's, it's now a contest of being easy because in a world where everything sucks, nobody wants any additional hassle. So customer experience, quote unquote, has become much more important uh, as a buying criteria. And price, in fact, has, has gone down for a lot of, uh, a lot of consumers. And what I find fascinating about that is it doesn't matter how good your marketing is if the customer experience isn't at least adequate, right? Because you, you, you get people all excited by, by your marketing, your advertising, your communications, your positioning, and then somebody actually buys from you and they're disappointed and, and never come back. And so good marketing without equally good CX is a colossal waste of money. So this alignment of marketing and CX is incredibly important. And so I'm glad that they are converging. I think it's going to be a bit of a rocky road initially, but, but at some point down the road, I think we'll be in a better place.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. The meme that I'm pushing so, uh, at the, this week is, my, is my, uh, my little quote, convenience is the new location. Yes. If you opened a shoe store in town, and then you market it and let people know, hey, there's another shoe store in town. You know, there used to only be two. Now there's three, right? And here's something about us. Here's a catchy phrase or something about why you should try us. You know, a lot of people are going to, oh, try the new shoe store, right? Because you're in a proximity to them. And now with digital, of course, we have a, a whole globe of places we can order from. Location is not so important. And after all, location starts with convenience, right? Because you knew even 30 years ago, well, there are more shoe stores if I'm willing to drive to the next town over. But who wants to do that? Because most of the time you just want to go to the local shoe store. But again, now with digital, we have convenience. And but of course, that means you have to fulfill on that convenience. If you don't focus on the right elements of customer experience so that your experience actually is convenient. If when I order that guinea pig hay, what shows up on my front door is hamster bedding, you know, or something else or it doesn't show up when expected, or the price isn't what I expected. And now I have to call them up and say, hey, wait a minute. Obviously, I'm, I'm losing the convenience. And now, well, I can either go to another digital place or just you know drive on down to PetSmart or something like that. So I, I, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. Yeah, it,
1: it's funny. I love your, your meme. It's terrific. Uh, and, and what I've been saying that's similar, but, but not exactly the same, is this idea that today, speed is often interpreted as caring. I'm renovating a house, and we're getting new kitchen cabinets
2: can't get enough of winning digital customers? You can find even more content and video versions of the podcast episodes on our YouTube channel. Visit wdc.ht YouTube to subscribe.
1: So I call three cabinet people and whichever one's going to call me back first is going to be the one that's going to get the business unless it's just a dramatically different set of pricing. Because every time I'm thinking about Who's gonna call me? Are they gonna call me? When are they gonna call me? All that creates in my head is dissonance and friction, and dissonance and friction is what keeps people's money in their pocket. So if you can be the fastest, you don't have to be the bestest, as long as you're the fastest consistently, and and it works the same with with betting, right? If if you ordered if you ordered guinea pig and you got hamster, uh, and frankly I don't know the difference between those two, but let's say it's meaningful, uh, and this is
0: a very specific reference that we're now on for the totality of the show. I'm sure there was, there's some listener who will put a comment in going into the details of guinea pig versus hamster bedding,
1: you are going to be so mad. <laughs> if it's the wrong item and now you've got to call and ship it back, you're mad, right? And you're like, what? If it's pretty close and it was a good price and it was fast, you're probably like, yeah, close enough, right? That's the part.
0: That's where we're at now. They're all, they're all rodents anyway, right? That's right. Yes, exactly. Is it squirrel bedding? I don't know. It's fine. Let's hope my daughter Samantha is not listening. She'd be mad at me.
1: <laughs> exactly. So so you don't have to be perfect um, if you can exceed customer expectations around rapidity. However, that's really hard to do because of all the customer expectations and sort of the customer expectation matrix, speed is the one that continues to escalate most often, right? So what, what is uh, you know, fast three years ago is Painfully slow today, right? It, it continues to, to get faster and faster at a pace that's disproportionate to other expectation changes. Um, and, and that creates a lot of challenges for business because it is hard to continuously satisfy customers with speed.
0: Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Well, this is great. I, I want to ask you about a quote of yours that I think I heard you say earlier today, which was Massive digital transformation is the enemy of empathy. And when I heard that, I thought, oh, because what I talk about all the time and a key premise in my book is how you know digital transformation has to be led by customer insight. But of course, just because I say it in my book, amazingly, that doesn't mean that's what's happening at every country <laughs> around the world, in every company around the world. But in any case, can you expand on that idea that digital transformation is or can be the enemy of customer empathy?
1: I mean, what we've seen in transformation, as you well know, is unprecedented, truly. Uh, the, the data I saw most recently, uh, it was either McKinsey or, or Twilio, uh, so that the average business accelerated their digital transformation by six years during the pandemic, meaning that, that initiatives that were originally on the roadmap for 27, 28 got put into practice last year. Cool. Except for the fact when you fast forward digital initiatives by six years, usually you're doing that to achieve some measure of operational efficiency led by automation. Not always, but that's generally the, the circumstance. And one thing I've learned in my 30 years as a digital uh, marketer and CX specialist, I mean, I started before there were browsers, right? So I've been doing this a long time. Typically, big, fast moves towards automation are ipso facto not empathetic, right? Because you're trying to treat all customers as similarly as possible to gain operating efficiencies. And that wouldn't necessarily be a problem in and of itself, Howard, except for the pandemic, right? Where where every customer of every kind in every location, it doesn't matter demographics, psychographics, everybody's nerves are raw, everybody's had it, everybody is is beat down and and just frayed, right? So If we ever, ever, ever needed to embrace empathy and treating customers with humanity and dignity, now is the time. And what's interesting about that is is I am old enough, and and I think you are too, Howard, to remember a time when we never talked about empathy in business, was never even mentioned. Why? Because it was the default state. we didn't even have a a word for it, right? Like, so I'm a seventh generation entrepreneur. My son's an eighth generation entrepreneur. My family's been self-employed since the mid-1850s. And the number of times I ever had a conversation with my dad or my grandfather about treating customers with dignity and respect and humanity, literally zero times in my entire life, because it wasn't a conversation that ever needed to be had. It was just how you run a business. Like there wasn't like, let me tell you, you got to make sure to take care of customers and treat them like real people. Like no one had that conversation. But somewhere along the way, we we lost our way, and and now treating customers that way is the exception, uh, not the rule. And that makes me a little sad as a human being. Uh, but but as a as a business consultant, it's actually a great opportunity for everybody tuning in. Because now when you treat your customers with a little extra love, like Chewy.com does, it stands out like crazy, right? It, it becomes like shocking. I can't believe this, this company actually didn't treat me shabbily, right? And, and so it's a huge opportunity. It's just sometimes hard to scale in the enterprise. And that's, that's the friction point we got to solve for, right? How can we be efficient but also empathetic?
0: A lot of interesting insights there. That's great. And uh, of course, Chewy has one advantage, which is that uh, the domain that they're in of people's lives is so emotional to begin with. You know, our relationship so true. with our pets for so many people is so important. But yeah, you, you make a great point about how, you know, in theory, digital transformation should enable us to be more personalized, treating each customer more uniquely and individually, but that's a lot of work. So the acceleration of, of the COVID uh, impact on digital transformation may have meant some, some corners were cut one of the topics I often talk a lot about is people talk about technical debt all the time. And no doubt, COVID created technical debt because when you got to stuff in a rush, oftentimes you're not doing it in the very best way. And I think that there's also this idea of CX debt. You know, what is the interface like? What is the customer experience like? We tried to get this interface out so fast, we didn't have time to prototype it. We didn't have time to test it and iterate it. We just put some buttons on a page and hope people would figure it out. And, you know, sometimes in an emergency, you, you have to do what's the fastest way to do it. The important thing, just like with technical debt, is to acknowledge that you've, you've accumulated CX debt that needs to be paid off at some point or it bites you. The, the other thing you said that I wanted to follow up on is this idea of empathy and transformation in the pandemic. I think I agree with your point very much that, you know, it's highly differentiating as a, as a business to be seen by your customers as really understanding them and seeing them as, as seeing their humanity. And I think particularly with COVID, because COVID has been such a dehumanizing and and de empathizing thing. You know, when you think about now you go into a business, you know, everybody's faces, you know, the the people who work there, their faces are covered. So you can't see their whole facial expression. You're told, you know, wear a mask, stand six feet away. I want to see your vaccine card, at least in New York City. And I don't say that to be critical of anything. You know, I'm not trying to make a political statement. I understand why all these things are in place. But the aggregate impact is definitely a dehumanizing experience when interacting with a business that is not wanting you to come too close, and wanting you to cover your face and all these things. So when, you know, and what's, what's awesome is, you know, if you ever on Zoom and you see someone put a mask on or wearing a mask on Zoom, it's this moment of disconnect because the irony yes. is, we can connect with people on Zoom without masks and that actually can sometimes feel like more of a connection. And I think that can extend to digital in general. You would have thought historically, how could a website ever express the kind of empathy for a customer that a salesperson in a store can? It just seems fundamentally, how can a, a, a digital experience be more human than a human? And it turns out that when it's done well, it actually, it can be, especially because many human experiences aren't that human, you know, just if you, if you know what I mean. But yeah, I think that's a very interesting topic. Yeah, I love that that point. I hadn't really thought about it
1: that way. This idea that even though you're at a remove because we're online, the fact that you're not masked, uh, you actually have greater intimacy than than if you were proximate but but playing by uh, by all the rules, whether it's masking or distancing or whatever. That's a really interesting observation. I want to I want to mold that a little bit. I, I might have to write about that uh, uh, in the future. I, I love that comparison.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you. And, and of course, even when COVID is over, of course, we hope to be moving beyond this world of masks. Oh, have you seen these masks now? I see some people have them now where they take a photo of the lower half of your face and they print it on the mask.
1: Yes. I saw a guy on a plane where they freaked me out. I was like, what is, I'm like, is his skin all baggy? Like I couldn't figure out what the story was at first. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, I, I i i like the idea it just looks weird because I haven't seen it enough times but I, I like the idea like if that became a if that became a standard practice i'm like oh i like that yeah
2: download the first chapter of the wall street journal bestseller winning digital customers the antidote to irrelevance today visit winningdigitalcustomers.com to get started
0: and then they start talking but their lips aren't moving you know <laughs> right anyway I, but I, I appreciate the effort i appreciate what someone's trying to do there but a little bit of a miss for me, but, you know, anyway. All right. So um, we're running very low on time, but I want to ask you about, are there some things, if people are listening and they sort of want to make things better? Sometimes when you're in a big company, it's like you feel this feeling like, oh, you know. Yes, I totally agree. We need to be more customer-focused, more empathetic, but I don't even know where to start. Are there some things, mistakes you see companies and people making or or advice you'd give to somebody who says, I agree with what you're saying, but I feel like there's so many barriers to my being able to actually take action on this stuff. I just don't know what to do. What have you seen work?
1: Well, I think part of the problem is that customer experience doesn't actually exist. Right? It's not real. It's just we all agreed to call it that, right? It, we we treat customer experience in business as if it is a knob that we can twist or a, a switch that we can flick. But but CX isn't a thing. It's literally all the things, right? Customer experience is how we make customers feel. And every day, every hour of every day, you're making dozens or hundreds of decisions in your organization that impact those feelings. So to say, be customer focused, I've been doing this my whole life. I've never worked at the company and said, are you customer focused? And they say, no, <laughs> right? They're, everybody is customer focused, generally speaking. So that doesn't really help. To say, get better at CX, that also doesn't help because you can't get better at everything. So- In order to have any impact whatsoever on customer experience, and you may have seen this data, Howard, that says that 70% of CX initiatives fail to produce ROI, seven in 10, which is unconscionable. It's terrible, right? And the reason that's true is that people treat CX too big. So you got to break it down into small pieces. The only way you can have any impact at all in customer experience is if you commit to stop, start, or change something specific. You have to stop, start, or change something specific. So you can choose to be faster. You can choose to be less confusing. You can choose to be more empathetic. It's a lot of choices, but it has to be very specific. And so what I challenge my clients to do is to get 15% better In 90 days? How can you be 15% faster at responding to emails? How can you be 15% less confusing when somebody's trying to figure out what your return policy is? How can you be 15% more empathetic in the next? 90 days? And what do you need to stop, start, or change to actually effectuate that 15%? That's where real results come from, is by thinking small about CX. And one of the biggest problems with customer experience is that we almost invariably think big. And we treat it like singing Kumbaya around a campfire song, as if the real problem is that companies don't care enough about their customers. They care plenty about their customers. They just don't do anything about it.
0: I think that's a great point. There's always low-hanging fruit, and I think the basis of all of that that you just said is is doing your research because so often I think people who are in the driver's seat at companies, they're not mystery shopping their own products or experiences. They're not calling their own call center. And sometimes there's very simple, you know, it's one of the things I write about in my book, as ridiculous as it is, is a tiny example. If your company is still sending emails out to customers from an email address called, you know, customer support at do not reply.com or do not reply at you know company act it's like really is that how you want to be communicating that's one of those things that the, the analogy I like to use is like you know like most I don't know if your house is like my house but like if you look around there's cords you know like in the corner there's places where there's stacks of old magazines and things like that, and you just stop seeing it after a while, you know, you don't notice. And then all of a sudden someone's coming over and you're like, oh geez, this place, you know, all these things that I literally, my brain is literally totally filtering them out. I'm like, that looks terrible, that looks terrible, we need to clean this up. And I feel like people just need that moment where they go, you know, what are all these things we're doing to our customers that we've just stopped seeing because we just, somebody set it up that way a long time ago and we never experienced it. and, And it's not big enough to cause them screaming and pounding on your door with pitchforks and torches. It's just a little nuisance, you know? And then when you have a bunch of those little nuisances, as you say, you know, they can add up to a lot. So I love, your, I love your 15% challenge. I think that's the kind of nice concrete thing that I could see, you know, having a big impact. And if you do 15% every quarter, then just see how that All of a sudden, you
1: got something. Yep, that's so true. And, and you know, you think about how, how long have we been talking about this, about customer experience and customer service and customer satisfaction for decades, literally for decades. Yet... <laughs> The American Customer uh, Satisfaction Index, which measures categorically all Americans' feelings about interactions with business, right? So it's a roll-up index of all the different categories, is the lowest it's ever been, ever, in history. So here we are decades after the idea that customer experience is important. And customer service and customer satisfaction is lower than ever so something about the way we've been going about this is broken, uh, and hopefully we can fix that.
0: Or is that just expectations that keep rising, rising, rising in a way that we can't keep up with?
1: That, and that's the other thing about customer experience not existing, right? It's always based on, on expectations, right? If you order something, let's go to Chewy.com and our, and our uh, guinea pig hay. If you order it and, and they tell you it'll be there in four days and it comes in two, like that's a great customer experience. If they tell you it'll be there in four days and it comes in six, you're like, that's a terrible customer experience. It's the same guinea pig, hey. And you paid the same price for it. Your own prism of anticipation is what governs your feelings about it, and that's true for everything. And and obviously, one of the reasons that customer experience is really hard in business is that customer expectations aren't static, right? They're 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 an escalator. It keeps moving, and that's why what What pains me is when I see enterprise companies launch and, and and even this taxonomy, I think is really dangerous, a customer experience project. It's like, bro, it's not a project. It is a process that does not a have a finish line, <laughs> right? Like this is you will never be done with customer experience and and to set up a a, a thinking inside the organization that this is a thing that's that's going to be done or accomplished.
0: Uh, I think is is uh, setting up a failure. Amen. Couldn't agree more. Well, Jay, thank you for joining us and for so much wisdom. Uh, if people are interested, in, I know you have a podcast of your own, you've got a newsletter. Can you give everyone a, the couple of places they should go and we'll make sure we put this stuff in the show notes as well to learn more about what you do and your thought leadership?
1: Happy to do it. Thanks so much, Howard. And friends, if you haven't uh, gotten a chance to read Howard's book, I absolutely encourage you to do it. It is a barnbark. I loved it. It was one of my favorite books. Uh, over the last six months. You probably have already read it if you're watching the show, but if by chance you haven't, do it and, and send it to a friend as well. They'll appreciate you for it. A couple things. I am the host of a podcast called Social Pros, 10 years now, weekly episodes, just past episode 500. It's for enterprise social media managers, socialpros.com. And I write a newsletter about marketing and CX called The Bare Facts, and you can find that at thebearfacts.com B-A-E-R.
0: Awesome. Well, definitely check out uh, Jay's stuff as well. Uh, very, very insightful, uh, knowledgeable, experienced point of view. So I definitely, definitely advocate everyone look at one or more of those. Thanks. Please join me again in thanking Jay for joining us. And thanks to all of you for listening or watching or however you're consuming this and on whatever platform. Thanks for joining us on the Winning Digital Customers podcast. Look forward to seeing you next time. Till then, keep transforming.
2: Thanks for joining us for this episode of Winning Digital Customers, the podcast. Find more great episodes at wdcpodcast.captivate.fm on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast, or wherever you listen and visit winningdigitalcustomers.com to learn more about the Wall Street Journal best-selling book that inspired the podcast.